Welcome to Dollar Theater, the podcast where we review movies that we love. Some of them are critically acclaimed, some of them not so much. I think tonight we have one that is critically acclaimed. I'm here with two of my good friends, Anthony Dottavio and Danielle Lemoyne. What's up, guys? Going on. Evening. All right. So 1995, seven. This is one of those movies I've talked about. We covered a couple weeks ago, we covered fear. And this was one, I think we're all close to the same age. So this was, I did not see this in the theaters because I was 14, probably wasn't allowed at that point. But I got this on pay-per-view. Let me just paint a picture of pay-per-view in 1995. Now you want a movie on demand. You hit a button and you have that movie immediately. No questions asked. You, you put up your $3.99 or whatever it costs and your movie's there. 1995, to get a pay-per-view, you have to call your cable company and you hear the, you hear the voice. It's like a consistent voice until they say the title of the movie. So it'd be like, your purchase of seven is confirmed. And you'd, you'd go on like channel 552 or whatever and you'd see like the, the squiggly lines and you, but it, there's a schedule. So it's not like you get it right there. You have to wait for 1995. You'd have to wait for say Mortal Kombat to end to start your movie. And then the squiggly lines go from squiggly to clear. And so this is my relationship with seven. This was a movie I got on pay-per-view in 1995. And one of the most unique movies of all time. I, I love this movie. I'm glad to be talking about it with both of you. Just everything about it is one of a kind. We're going to talk about David Fincher. He almost quit movie making after his experience with alien three said, this is a quote. I'd rather die of colon cancer than make another movie. This is something he said after Alien 3. Thankfully, we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of what happened that led him to making this movie a couple of years after. And thank God he did, because not only did it lead to this, it led to so many other great films of his that we all love. But just, I, I mentioned already the tone of this. You know, you're walking around the rain, the soundtracks. This is just a dreary, dark movie one of a kind. And I, I think the city in this, it's a good choice. This isn't a city that exists. This is just a city. You know, you could, you could say there's like elements of New York in it, but it it's, they're not anywhere. This is just a unique setting for this movie. And yeah, the, just the, the definition of a slow burn, just from beginning to end, you know, one thing happens, a little build up, a little build up. And then at the end, you're just punched right in the face and this movie is the 19th ranked movie of all time on IMDb. And I'd have it somewhere in my top 10. I, I love this movie. To me, it's close to perfect. Danielle, what, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, I definitely, I love it. Um, there's some amazing performances in it. Uh, Fincher is one of my favorite directors. Uh, his, uh, although it's not as acclaimed, uh, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button is my all-time favorite movie, um, which he did. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I love it. I, I've seen it multiple times. Each time I love it, I pick up more and more things. I think it's a masterpiece. I agree. Anthony? Uh, what really can't you say about this movie? Um, it has everything. It has a young, hotshot uh, cop. You have the veteran who's getting ready to retire. You have the deranged uh, serial killer. It is 
by far one of the darkest movies I've ever got to see um, back then. I, I remember seeing it, I was a little bit older when I saw it. I was like 18 the first time I saw it. And I remember renting it from Blockbuster. Or I think it was a special edition DVD, actually. And just the ending alone is one of the most, if not the most iconic endings in a movie. Um, Kevin Spacey's in two of my most iconic endings, that and Usual Suspects, which is another great movie. But Kevin Spacey's been in both of them. Um, It's just beginning to end. It's like fantastic. And when you hear a couple of things I got, the people that were supposed to be tapped for these roles and decided to not do it, I'm glad they didn't because these were this was the perfect cast. Perfect, perfect castings. I think the big the big four in this movie, Pitt, Freeman, Paltrow, Spacey. Don't get rid of any of them. But you said Anthony, there are a lot of fun casting almost that we'll, we'll save for the internet stuff. Mm-hmm. But definitely, definitely want to talk about those. Oh, let's just go, let's just go ass backwards here and just get right to the ending. Because this is an ending now that kind of lives on through gifts and memes. But the ending is what ultimately led Fincher to kind of unretire. He was back to making music videos. He's made a ton of like iconic music videos. And he went back into filmmaking with this. New Line Cinema, which is the which made this movie, originally had the ending that we got, what's in the box, as the ending. The studio hated it. They said no, the audience is not going to respond to that. Changed the ending to a more action-themed detective movie ending. They sign on David Fincher. David Fincher gets the script with the head in the box ending. Loves it. Agrees to make the movie. They, they try to tell him, oh, sorry, David Fincher. This actually wasn't the ending to the movie. Fought for the ending. Got it. Now tell me what you think. Well, both of you are Sopranos people. The ending that he wanted was originally shoots John, Brad Pitt shoots John Doe, and then the movie goes to black a la a Sopranos-like ending. And the studio said, no way, we're not doing that. So this, we got the ending we ultimately got with the Ernest, Ernest Hemingway quote at the end. And, you know, I th- I, I'm still fine with that, but just, can you imagine sitting in a theater and watching just Pitt shoot Spacey in the head and then cut to black? Like, what the fuck did I just watch? Danielle, do you think that would have been an upgrade, a downgrade? What are your thoughts on that? I think it would be an upgrade. When I read it, I I was like, uh, that would have been, that would have been really cool, you know, kind of just leaving it in limbo. And I mean, it would have bookended it, you know, very well. But I mean, I'm still very happy with what we got. But, you know, I would have enjoyed that. And also just to add on to what you were saying about Fincher, Brad Pitt also threatened to walk if the ending changed. So there was a lot of bad reactions to the ending which, I mean, I think the ending's amazing and realistic. Um, you know, not necessarily that his wife's head would end up in a box, spoiler alert. Um, but the reaction to it, you know, and Pitt had said, you know, if somebody did this, you know, I would, I would shoot them. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make sense for him to not go through with it. You know, it's realistic. Sure. So, um, but I would have liked the, the cut to black would have, 
been unforgettable, you know? Wild. Anthony? Um, I must agree. The cut to black, like, Sopranos, I wasn't a huge fan of it because so much left unsaid. Same. This, like you said, would have been like, and then that the way the credits are, the credits were amazing too. Like a lot of people don't mention this, but the credits at the end, just so creepy and ominous. It just perfect. I I think the, the cut to black ending on this would have been fantastic with the with those credits. But I like the fact that you get to see Brad Pitt completely lost. You you see him. He is the epitome of what. If you lost something, if you lost everything, that's the look you have. And that look was a great look to see. That that's that's one of the looks that you remember about that movie. Sure. Morgan Freeman. I believe the first time I saw Morgan Freeman was in Lean on Me. That was the first time I was aware of this person. Great, great high school set movie where he plays the principal who reforms the the troubled school. And then I think um, next time I saw him was as Akeem in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. But listen to his 92 to 96. This guy rattles off Unforgiven, Shawshank Redemption, Outbreak, and this. I, I, you know, I might stack that up with any four movie run of all time here. Not nominated for Best Actor. Here are the nominees for Best Actor in 1995. Anthony Hopkins for Nixon, Richard Dreyfus, Mr. Holland's Opus, Sean Penn, Dead Man Walking, Massimo Troisi for Il Postino, which I've never seen. And the winner, Nicolas Cage for Leaving Las Vegas, which I like. But if I'm going to give Cage an Oscar, it's, it's certainly not for that. I, you know, I think we could probably get rid of all five of these in, in favor of Freeman here. He is just he is. I, you know, this is an ensemble between him and Pitt as the star of the movie. I, I I'm going to give this to Freeman a little bit. 60, 40. I'm going to say he's the star of this movie. He's just awesome in this role as Somerset. Um, Anthony, what do you think of him in this role or just any Freeman thoughts in general? I love his voice. His voice is one of the most soothing. I don't care how it makes me sound, but I love it. (laughs) His voice always... I want him to narrate my life one day. (laughs) I'm going to call him, tell him I want him to just do a narration of my life. Um... He's good at everything he's in. Like, yeah. he's been making fantastic movies for decades. Like, yeah. he could do comedy. Uh, one of my favorite roles with him, um, besides Shawshank, is Bucket List. Yeah, with Nicholson. Good, good one. Fantastic. And he's good in anything he's in. He's just. His voice really just draws you in. In every situation, even when he was younger, like you mentioned on Lean on Me, like how aggressive he was in that movie. And he's one of those actors that he could be in a bad movie and it's good because he's in it, or it's better because of his presence. I'm thinking specifically of uh, Lucky Number Slevin with uh, yes. Bruce I remember Bruce... he was yeah a little bit better. Bruce Willis and Josh Arnett and him. And it, this movie was dog shit, but it was it was tolerable because of him. Uh, Danielle, same question. Any Freeman takes? So unpopular opinion. Um, 
his performance is not what stood out to me in in uh, the film. Uh, don't get me wrong. Of the the four that you named of the cast, everyone gives an amazing performance. So there is no weak link. However, I feel that Morgan Freeman is most of the time Morgan Freeman in his roles. You okay. know? Like there's a lot of like, you know, he has a very commanding presence, you know. Um, and don't get me wrong. I mean, who doesn't love Morgan Freeman? But I'm just saying for me, where I took my notes, um, none of my notes were geared toward him. I was too busy uh, appreciating Brad Pitt because I, and then Kevin Spacey because I thought they were phenomenal. Um, you know, so... So yeah, so I, I like, I, I love Freeman, but I don't necessarily like, I wasn't like wowed by his performance. So listen to this. These are the nominees for Best Supporting Actor in 1995. Kevin Spacey and Brad Pitt, both nominated for other movies. Yeah, Kevin Spacey nominated for Usual Suspects, Brad Pitt for 12 Monkeys, and he- Ed Harris, Apollo 13, James Cromwell, Babe, uh, Tim Roth, Rob Roy, which I feel like i've heard of that at some point but i don't i'm not aware of that movie um i i can't argue with either of those nominations for pitt or spacey both of those both of those roles were great but it, it's really tough for me to say definitively that they didn't deserve it for this movie instead um anthony thoughts thoughts on that i will have to disagree with you um go on kevin spacey was a, I, I think he was great in this he is He's very small, limited time on screen, and I feel like he does steal the movie in his small scene, in his little monologue. I no one of the great best scene in the movie, uh, but I think he usual suspects is that him has a better performance. That is my actual number one favorite movie ever. Okay, and Danielle, I know your love for Twelve Monkeys, so you're definitely going to agree with me i kind of know what you're going to say before you say it so go, so go i actually went and checked this because i was like how do these guys not get any oscar noms for this and then i checked it and i was like oh they would have been up against themselves and, <laughs> you know so it makes sense how many nods can you give one person so uh but yeah brad pitt i mean i think brad pitt is phenomenal in this movie but 12 monkeys is uh, i just that's my favorite performance of his. So it's not going to top it. All right. So Spacey in this, let me just preface right now that we are aware of everything going on in Kevin Spacey's life in 2022. Let's just put that aside. We're fully aware of it. I'm not praising the person We're we're talking specifically about the performance. Just want to get that out of the way before I, I go on to this point here. He was not advertised in this movie at all. This was a surprise that he showed up at the end of this film as John Doe. There's not a chance this would fly in 2022 because every day right now we're being bombarded with photos of Ryan Gosling as Ken anytime there's a new photo on the set. So we, we've basically almost seen this movie already without it coming out. So somebody would have been with a cell phone in 1995 if they existed then, taking pictures of Kevin Spacey in the back of the car in his orange jumpsuit. And so I, I just think it's such a good move to have him as a surprise at the end. And Anthony, you, you put it brilliantly. He kind of steals the movie at the end. I personally, I, I think this is Freeman's movie until the end where Spacey just kind of yanks it from him. Um, Spacey thoughts. 
like you said, um, not talking about the person, talking about the roles. Um, he's another one who's been in, in just so many phenomenal movies. And when he goes into his speech in the car and he starts talking, and you see Somerset is keeping even keel, but you see he's starting to turn Brad Pitt a little bit slower and slowly and then all of a sudden the package comes and he's just talking to Brad Pitt it it gives me chills every time I think about that because he literally talks for a good I would say what 20 minutes straight yeah in that in that last part of the movie um and I'm still every time I see it, it I've seen the movie, I would say, about 20, 25 times in my lifetime. Every time I watch it, if I'm on that scene, it's not something that I will pay attention. Nothing. That has my attention. That scene is just, it just gives you chills every time. Totally agree. Uh, Danielle? Um, I, um, so Brad Pitt's my favorite performance until... Spacey gets on screen. Um, and I do hope we're going to talk about Brad Pitt because I'd love to tell you why. Coming up, coming up. Um, but um, Spacey dominates every scene he's in, you know? And whatever you think of him as a person, if you look at his work, he's a fabulous actor. I mean, everything he's in, he just, he just dominates the scene. He's just so confident in his delivery. Um, his, you know, like, for most of the the conversation between him and Pitt, he's very like monotone and matter of fact, you know, and he gets a little passionate at times, but it's, it's so creepy the way he's just so calm in his presentation, you know, um, but calm, but confident, you know, and it's, uh, it's just so impressive. I, I'm scared shit of him. You mentioned his demeanor. There's a, there's an almost that took this role. We're going to save that for the internet that I think would have been, Almost the complete opposite. So I'm I'm glad this one didn't happen. Although it's a big name, I'm glad yeah. this this one didn't happen yes. because his demeanor was so good. Yeah, he he dominates this. And yeah, Anthony, I know you said you like Usual Suspects. I I, I think you could flip a coin and you know pick one. I think both are phenomenal performances, and he's just I you know aside one a phenomenal actor. Brad Pitt. This was uh kind of the first big movie I've seen him in. I know I saw Thelma and Louise when I was younger. Um, I remember the movie Cool World, which was kind of a, a goofy cartoon, half cartoon. It's kind of like Roger Rabbit, but more adult with, with him in it. Um, i trying to think what else I saw him in. I hadn't seen True Romance until like later in life. So, but I know those were the kind of things that um, made him, we're starting, got his star on the rise and I think uh, Legends of the Fall was right before this, before this was, but I think this was his first, like, I'm here, I'm a force. And just, he's also, everyone's phenomenal in this role, including Pitt. I I love him as kind of like, I, I, I really like how I can really relate to him getting the cliff notes for all the Canterbury Tales and Dante. <laughs> I had them all for school. I, and that's the only <laughs> way I passed. And he, and he hides it from Freeman too. He's just, yeah, yeah, somebody deliver them and I, I think we could all relate that I, I think offline we were just talking about how people on the internet don't like to read and this is just 
a guy who doesn't like to read. And it, it's funny. It's, it's relatable. He's just, I think him and Freeman are so good together as Freeman is the, the, the smart calculated veteran. And then Pitt is the hothead, but you know, he's, he's made out to be dumb in this movie, but he's not dumb at all. He's just as he's on the same level as Freeman. These are just two very different people that bounce off of each other nicely. Danielle, I know you have your, your pit thoughts. Have your so, moment. So having recently rewatched 12 monkeys and looking at, through, looking at this through the same lens, Brad Pitt has a physicality to him that a lot of actors don't have um, that adds to his character. So in the film, he's smoothing his hair or like scratching his head when he's frustrated. Um, when he's anxious, he's clicking his pen. Uh, he's often slouching in his chair, you know, like there's just, and when he talks, he moves his hands a lot. He's just very um, lively in his physical movement that I feel adds so much to the character. And I, you know, I had noticed that in analyzing 12 Monkeys because I was blown away by it. And then as I was rewatching Seven, I was like, wow, he does it here too, but in a different way that's not like, you know, 12 Monkeys, he comes off as crazy. And here he comes off, like you said, like the hothead, the wanting to rush out and, you know, not thinking about things, break down the door type of guy, you know, and it's just, uh, I just think he's so impressive. The more I watch, you know, through the lens of analysis, the more I appreciate him as an actor. Just so many, like, so many different types of roles he's played. You, you know, he's he's a hard ass in this movie. And then you can see him in something like Burn After Reading, where he's not afraid to just play the idiot. So he just does such a wide variety of roles. I, I love him as an actor at bullet trains in a couple of weeks. That looks like just a, a really, that looks like a terrible movie. That's probably going to be good because he's in it. And that's just, that's who he is. That's the, what he brings. Anthony, any pit thoughts? Um, no, I think Pitt's the worst actor. I, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, um, the first movie I actually ever saw with Brad Pitt, I don't remember the name anymore, but he was in it with Joaquin, Fe not Joaquin, sorry, River Phoenix. Um, and they were both, well, his, he was brothers with uh, River Phoenix. I keep calling him Joaquin, sorry. Um, Fair, shit, I'm um, They were brothers in the movie. Uh, River Phoenix gets out of jail. He's a runner, like a, a track, he's a track star. And then his brother gets out of jail. He becomes a track star. I'm trying to remember the name, but this isn't me looking on IMDb for this film right now. This I'm, I'm definitely not doing that. I'm listening to everything you're saying. This He's is... not doing it once. Okay, perfect. <laughs> but that's the first movie I saw him in. Um, and it was weird because I was like, okay, because I just stumbled upon the movie. Like, I think it was on Showtime at the time. Across the tracks. Oh, okay, there you go. I've never even heard of that. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I'm not aware of it either. But maybe I will. It's on my, it's on my IMDb watch list. So it, <laughs> at some point, I said to myself, I want to watch this movie, and then just never did. You're welcome. <laughs> um, Brad Pitt is just one of the most diverse actors. He could play really anything. The range on him is great. He could do comedy, like you said. He can act like the idiot, or he can act cutting or say he's in oceans 11 with george clooney like 
I see everybody he works with just has very high praise for him. And I, I understand why the guy is a professional and very, very good. The only movie I really didn't care for him in was uh, world war Z. Yeah. I remember seeing that in the theaters. It was, it was fine. You know, it wasn't anything special. It's, it's a couple hours. I can't get back in my head, <laughs> but um, he's phenomenal in this movie as well. Um, and he plays like, you know, like the, I want to go fast. I want to go fast. I want to rush. I want to rush. This is like, he plays it to a T like, and very believable. And then you see a little bit of a softer side. Actually, when they have dinner together, uh, him, Morgan Freeman and Gwyneth Paltrow, they, you see them interact really well. He is, he's been in three of my top 50 movies. So he's, a, I'm a big fan of Brad Pitt. David Fincher. So we, we obviously one of the great directors of all time. This guy to me, does not have a miss in his resume and you know some of the greats like scorsese tarantino you know once in a while they make a movie that you know is good but not elite this is after alien 3 we go seven the game panic room zodiac the social network the girl with the dragon tattoo which was yeah, good but not it not it not his best received movie Mm. Anthony's disagreeing with me. Go I off. loved that movie. I thought it was phenomenal. I thought he that was just Rooney Mara, Daniel Craig, Skarsgård. I I can't. I, I gotta disagree with you again. But yeah, no, no. I'm just saying, if you had to pick one that wasn't as well received, it's that one. Understandable then. So we go: Girl, Dragon Tattoo, Gone Girl, Mank, and coming out later this year, The Killer. I know nothing about this movie, but it stars Michael Fassbender as the killer take all my money I, I i don't need a plot just give me this movie danielle i know our fincher rankings are a little conventional unconventional you have benjamin button as your number one i have the social network as my number one i'm going to lead anthony into this question where does seven rank on your fincher sphere i'm i'm in agreement with dave my number one is the social network my number, my number two though is game. I, okay, the game is great. Game. That was I remember watching that the first time and thinking like, "What the hell did I just watch?" <laughs> but he, yeah. like I said, I don't think he's ever made a bad movie. You know, maybe besides Alien Three. Yeah, and that was his start. He got the bad one out of the way early. Um, Danielle, make your case for uh, Benjamin Button. Well, there's just two things I want to add in there. Number one, I'm one of the few people on Earth that doesn't hate Alien 3. Um, So I've uh, talked to people about it. It's consensus that it's terrible. Um, (laughs) But I actually don't hate it. I mean, it's obviously not Alien and Aliens, but I actually like it. Um, Another fun fact is that my father's favorite movie of all time is The Game. Okay. Mine is Curious Case of Benjamin Button. And we always talk how it's funny that both of us have Fincher movies as our all-time favorites, you know? Um, The game is probably like number two or three on my list. Game is amazing. Anyway, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, um, to me, is Forrest Gump, except it's fantastical. 
Um, I think it's better than Forrest Gump for sure. Um, I think that every time I watch it, I probably rewatch it once a year. Okay. And every time I rewatch it, I find a new quote that I love. Um, I learn something new. I, I just feel like it has so much, um, so much wisdom in it. And the thing is, is that it's not just like, here's some wisdom, you know, like it's, it's uh. done in this way that's very unique. So it's, it's so creative, you know, on top of the fact that it has such substance to it. So, and it's another Brad Pitt led film. Um, and I just, I love it. And the funny thing about it is the first time I saw it, I wasn't like, oh my God, this is my favorite film of all time. The first time I saw it, I was like, oh, this is okay. You know, and because I had, you know, I'm always talking about this expectations ruin film, you know? So, you know, I went in thinking, oh, it's going to be this. And then I was like, oh, it's not this. Therefore, I don't love it. And then the second time I went back to it, it just clicked for me. And that's just, it's been that way ever since. You guys have made much better cases than I am. My, my rankings are so basic. You know, I said social network. And then just uh, depending on the day, I switch around seven and fight club to my two and three. So I, I kind of have a basic Fincher rankings. I, I like your, I like yours better as uh, better conversation starters. I'm just the basic one in this conversation. So why don't we take a quick break and then we're going to start talking about our favorite scenes. All right. Favorite scenes. So I'm going to go a little ahead. If you guys want to rewind after me, that is totally fine, but I've got uh, sloth. That is uh, that's Victor as uh, the first scene I've written down here. This is the air fresheners. We talked about the, the tone of this movie. It's just a brutal scene to watch. And then even knowing that this guy was a pedophile, it's just, it, it's tough to see <laughs> anyone suffer this much as this man has for a year, even though he probably deserves it. But when, once you see like the welts on his skin and the fact that he's been chained up to his bed for a year while Spacey is burning him, there's piss and shit everywhere. You can smell this room just by watching the, the TV. And I love John McGinley in this, AKA Cox from Scrubs. Just he's fucking. I have I have it in my notes here. He's fucking Jack. That's that's my note about John McGinley in this movie as California, and just the scene, little internet tidbit when he says, when McGinley says to him, "You got what you deserved," and he does that cough. That cough was not in the script. Fincher told this actor playing Victor, the sloth victim, that just just the cough. And when McGinley jumps back, that was not in the script he was really terrified he did not expect that cough and this is just this scene is just brutal and i i love it danielle what'd you think of this scene i mean it was already horrendously creepy um until the dude was alive i yeah. mean like that was like an extra layer um fincher does not hold back in this film on like the gross um, like the grotesqueness of it. It's so like balls to the wall, you know? So um, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, as much as I could, you know, without like, you know, having nightmares and that sort of thing. Sure. And even like they show, they have, they pick up the pictures and you see like the picture of them oh, on day yeah. one and it just, oh, it's, it's like the uh, day one to, 
you know and I, yeah and just thinking a year i mean that is so meticulous you know torturing someone for a year like the way that's planned out to the day you know like it's it's just like this is like one of the sickest serial killers of all time and it's fictional one of the one of the things i really like about this we we don't see any of the killings we just see the aftermath of the killings and we're kind of like just left to think about the the suffering that these people went through and our imagination and that, i think that was just like a great choice anthony what'd you think of the scene i i still jump when i see it um yeah he coughs um it's it's just insane like to think that this whole plan of john doe's was started out so long ago and he had a he had a specific end game in plan in place and it just goes to show that his mind is so deranged and pure evil it's just a pure evil scene brutal scene i i, I love it just perfect scene for the movie danielle what's the scene you like uh what i really like just going to the top of my notes is uh the opening credits okay um the opening credits were was done by uh this guy kyle cooper who does that's his living he does opening credits for films um took a look at it there wasn't anything that stood out to me but um as far as these credits go um they have the remix of closer by nine inch nails love it um, which is probably, I think that's the start of the Trent Reznor, David Fincher relationship. Um, the font that's used is very like just crazy inducing. Um, it, uh, they had said that Kyle Cooper, it was his opinion that they should, even though uh, Spacey was going to be introduced in the third act, that it would be like kind of like a foreshadowing type of thing. So you've got the journal writing and that sort of thing. So it's just like setting the tone. Um, I just think, you know, like a lot of times I'll see opening credits that are similar in terms of like getting me excited and then the movie will kind of like suck, you know, but this actually, you know, like it, it jumps out at you and then it delivers. So, which is awesome. Yeah, I'd say the same thing. The opening credits and the end credits are just super unique. I think they, they did a great job. And yeah, you did a great job of uh, explaining that, uh, who was behind that. Great move there. Anthony, what's the scene you like? The one I'm going to go with to, to my thought is going to be gluttony. Okay. Um, Because it's just so like, the body is like bloated. He's got his head in... It looked like SpaghettiOs. I don't care. if Everybody wants to say macaroni. That's not macaroni, people. That's SpaghettiOs. But um, you, basically, this is how we get introduced to how this killer is and what this killer does. And then we see a little bit later because Morgan Freeman, get, you find out that it's part of the seven deadly sins because at first... It's just some fat guy who looks like he drowned in, you know, his SpaghettiOs. Um, it's a really big, t- like a good start, a good tone to the movie. So the, the, the fat guy is the writer of this movie, the screenplay, uh, Andrew Kevin Walker. This is him in prosthetics. And he wrote this movie and then he followed it up with 8 millimeter. 
So he was like the seven deadly sins. I don't know if this was, I don't know if this was uh, insane enough. I want to go into the world of snuff porn for, for eight millimeter. Just, you know, I'd love to get in this guy's mind and, you know, produce some pretty great films. I, I just think like, sometimes I'm like, no, I can't eat that last chicken wing or whatever. And, you know, just to, for, to die this way, just to keep being fed when you, you can't possibly stomach anything else. Yeah. Just, this is a, this is a tough, tough way to go for my, for my guy there. Uh, Danielle, any thoughts on that scene? Um, the cockroaches were real and they had to stuff certain areas of him to keep the cockroaches from going in his, uh, you know, his nose, his ears, that sort of thing, which is just super gross and talk about being committed. Um, and something just, I don't know if it'll come up at all, but it's here, it's throughout the entire film. Um, Fincher uses um, what's known as bleach bypass. Um, and so what that is, is when you're developing the film, you're, there's a bleaching process. So he skipped that. And what it does is it desaturates the colors. So throughout the film to get this like dreary type of like the tone you were speaking of Anthony on top of what's actually happening in the scene, there's an actual look to the film that's meant to also add to that. So it starts here and goes throughout, which is really cool in my opinion. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's just the, just speaks to the, the brilliance of the, the filmmaking here. Um, the next scene I have here, I have just written down as the chase. And this is where um, Mills and Somerset ultimately wind up at the apartment of John Doe because they get this information from uh, Mark Boone, a young Mark Boone Jr., uh, Bobby from Sons of Anarchy, and who gets gets his uh, library records, and they they just look for people like just getting books on the seven deadly sins and they wind up at his apartment and it's just, it's a little, it's, it's even creepier now knowing what's going to happen when you just see him in his, in his, like his hat and he just slowly walks up to the apartment and he's like, Oh shit, those are cops. And he just opens fire on them and we're, we're fucking, we're off. And I just so many, there's so many good shots. I especially love the shot where Pitt is in the window, looks out the window and you just see in the corner of the screen, there's Doe. You don't see his face yet because we don't see Kevin Spacey until the end of the movie, but he's just right there, opens off one shot, runs, and he ultimately hits him from the top of a truck and just puts the gun to his head and decides to walk away because I think he knows what his end game is and that does not involve killing him at this moment. Uh, Anthony, what'd you think of this scene? I, I think it sets the tone because, like you said, another one that sets the tone. Um, this, you see him crack him in the face. You, you see him running all around. Not for nothing, Morgan Freeman doesn't really run too fast. You could see that he his running days are over. <laughs> um, but no, it, it's I, I love how they. Like when they, they do that blurry vision um, when he's standing over him. And like and like you said, you don't see his face. You don't know who it is. Because at this point, you still don't know. You hear Kevin Spacey's voice a little bit in an earlier scene when he's taking the pictures of them. But this, you know, like it, everything done in this movie is just so calculated. And 
it comes up. It's a good scene. It's another good scene. It's really another great scene. Love it. There's really like no wasted minutes in this movie, let alone scenes. Uh, Danielle, what's another scene you got? Uh, I just wanted to add on to that, if you don't Absolutely. mind. Um, I am very critical of shaky cam. Um, I, for the most part, I hate it. I hate when directors uh, use that style, but it's used in this this scene very well. Um, it creates tension on top of the score. Uh, so it just, it works. So I wasn't like wanting to throw something at my screen. I was too busy being like, oh my gosh, you know, like it's too intense, you know, even having seen it multiple times. And then also just a little shout out. There's a great shot. Um, there's not, you know, this is not a critique um, because I don't think it necessarily needs it. Um, but there's not a lot of like, wow type of camera shots in this film. Um, a lot of it's pretty static, um, but there's a shot right before Kevin Spacey. Um, I don't remember the exact sequence of it, but there's a water reflection shot of him standing over him and you see the hat and everything and you can't see his face. So it's just like, it just ups that fear factor. So I think it's actually probably one of, if not my favorite scene in the whole film. It's just beautiful, beautifully shot scene, just intense as hell. I love it. Um, another one I have here is, I just have it down as lust. And this, this was just a wild scene because we got Leland Orser, who we previously covered on this pod when we did very bad things. And he was basically doing the same thing he's doing in this movie. There's one scene in very bad things where he, he's just holding up this dismembered corpse. And he's like, I have an arm and, and I have a leg. And he's basically just doing that same thing in this movie. And he's an all time great frantic actor. And Anthony, I know I talked to you offline, and Danielle, I know you're aware of this because I, I posted the trailer in the movie group, the that the show American Gigolo with John Bernthal that's coming out in the fall. Yes. Leland Orser is in this movie, and it looks like he's the big bad. He's a mob boss, but this is this guy in this scene who Leland Orser, to prepare for this role, said he kept um, inhaling oxygen so he would get be more exasperated. He didn't sleep for three days so that he would just look disheveled and disoriented and just I, I hear him in my head just even thinking of his name in this scene and it's like he had a gun he made me do it he, he put that thing on me he told me to fuck her <laughs> I did I fucked her it's just fucking insane this scene is so good I, I love it it's juxtaposed with Pitt and the, the, the club owner just just having a very calm conversation next to this insane combo with, you know, what a brutal way for this this prostitute to die. Ugh, just even thinking of like how, how that transpired. I this is an instance where I'm very glad they didn't show the killings because I don't know that this is a rewatchable if if I if I have to watch that. Um, Anthony, what'd you think of this scene? I think we have a lot uh, we have a much different movie if they, that's shown. Uh, <laughs> It's insane, like the the like you know you hear him screaming about how he 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 had to fuck her because you know that's you know he was told to he's held up at gunpoint basically, so he did it and you think in your head like he killed her by by fucking her with a knife strap on yeah. Oh. <laughs> Like, really? Who the fuck? Like, you gotta be... 
I think everybody in this movie, everybody part of this movie is a little twisted in the head for the, for some of this, like the ideas for for some of the murder. It's, I just I just laughed when you said "fuck" there with a razor strap on. In my my presidential campaign in forty years is, is tanked now because someone's going to clip this and <laughs> just use it against me. Danielle, what would you think of this scene? Man, is it disturbing. Yeah. Uh, I just want to point out while the two of you are like, you know, I can't believe this. This would be terrible if we saw it. Just, just remember that I am actually female. Okay. So <laughs> this is extremely disturbing for me. I was watching this and I was like, man, this is giving me imagery I just do not need in my life. You know, like I don't want to think about what this was like. I don't want to know anything about it. Just come on, keep going. Now. <laughs> so that's a traumatizing scene. Sure. <sighs> All right, the last two I have written down here are both the car ride and then the ending. So that's uh, that's what I got. Do either of you have anything you want to shout out before we go there? Which ones did you say you had? I, I got the car ride and then the ending. Okay, I also have the precinct. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. When uh, Spacey walks into the precinct. Detective! And, yes. It's just, uh, you know, just to make note of it, it's, you know, it's his first scene and it's, just as commanding as the rest of the scenes he's in. It's just like, wow, you know, like this guy, like what's he doing here? Um, you know, like something's up. Like it's just, it just, it's intense. It's really intense and I love it. So he rolls up there in a cab. What was that cab ride like? <laughs> uh, can you take me to the, the precinct? Like, this guy covered in blood. I'm like, all right, that that's uh, $11, sir. And it's just, it's like just, 11 singles dripping in blood like no no tip you know never mind it's 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 cool we're 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 good (laughs) so anthony any thoughts on that god sorry uh that was a a great scene because you see at that point he cuts off his fingertips yeah so and then they start talking to his lawyer and there's two more bodies so in your head, you're thinking the other two sins, when in reality, we know what's coming. It was in the box. Yeah. Right. So Which is, definitely is definitely crazy, but um, huh, it's such a great way to show that he's he's in control. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we got we go from that to the car ride, where it's you know just the three of them, and they're just they're fucking cooking. They're, they're, Danielle, you mentioned earlier just the demeanor of, of Spacey in this. And he just, he's just very calm. You know, Somerset asks him, like, who are you? You know, it doesn't matter at this point. Why don't you just tell us who I am? And he's like, it doesn't matter who I am. Who I mean, who I am means absolutely nothing. You, you need to make a right. You, I think you, you need to stay on your left up here. Just, just very calm until Pitt tells him, you know, that you, all you did was kill a bunch of innocent people. And he just goes on this rant and, you know, he, he goes from zero to 100 real quick to quote the philosopher Drake. Um, and he and then we get the quote from Pitt. I just love, like you're no messiah. You're a movie of the week. You're a fucking T-shirt at best. This is just the three of these guys. I think this might be my favorite scene of the movie. Just the three, just three actors at the top of their game, just cooking. Danielle, what'd you think of that scene? Well, that's going to be my tagline for my letterboxed review, actually. Um, <laughs> it's words. I have that written down. Nice. Um, that's, my, that's my uh, favorite quote from the movie, you know? Oh. So, uh, 
I thought I thought it was just and the the delivery was great. I mean, the way him and Spacey bounced off of each other was just and and then Freeman just like interjecting, trying to like play referee in yeah. the middle of it, you know, um, just asking like the calm questions. And it's just uh, it's just great. The dynamic is amazing in that scene. And it's such it's such a builder of tension, which I love, you know, until it pays off with the, the infamous box. Yeah. Yeah. When he gets into it, like you mentioned, he gets mad because he's basically saying that you killed innocent people. They're not innocent. You know, a guy who eats himself to death, a whore, this person, that person, like he just goes into everything. Like you see him flip out and then he reels it back in again because he knows that he's going to get his, he's going to get his, his, in a couple of minutes, he's going to have the upper hand because he had an end game in mind, which will be the next scene we talk about. And he really just like, you know, he, he owns him at this point. Yeah. Realized again, like he, like you said, he lost it because he doesn't want to think of them as innocent people. And he basically said he admires Brad Pitt. He's of him. Do we think, do we think the, the end of this movie ultimately led. I, I was upon rewatch the scene where Spacey is in that. We don't know it's Spacey as posing as the photographer. And uh, Mills actually spells out his name to him. He's like, M I L L S. And then Spacey responds, You know, I'm surprised you can spell. And I, I want, I have to wonder, this is ambiguous, obviously, but I have to wonder if like him doing that is what ultimately led to Spacey being able to find out so much information about him, which ultimately led to the apartment i you know there's no answer to that question that's just kind of like speculation but i got it it's hard to speculate on that because he was planning this like you said he's been planning this for a year right at least because they had one guy in there for a year who knew if mills was his target all along and he knew he was going for him you know you don't know right so the ending, we, we know it, we know what happens at the end. John Doe completes his quote unquote masterpiece. We got, he kills Tracy, Gwyneth Paltrow puts her head in the box. My question, you know, we don't need to fully recap the ending. We all know what happens here unless we want to later. But I had like, I had just some questions about how this delivery like happened. Did, you know, John Doe, did he show up to the, the Mills apartment with a box? Because I don't, I don't think you go to the post office with a severed head and say, you know, I, I need a box that'll fit this. Can, how, much can anybody... how much postage does that cost? Is <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a discount here? So I got a question where he got the box. And this guy with his uh, his chain wallet, you know, the poor guy just tried He's like, 500 bucks. I don't know, it's a box. So I said, deliver it to the desert. I, yeah, whatever. Sure, I'll do it. Poor guy got his, uh, he's probably getting interrogated. He got his van stolen. And... Just so that's the funny part of this scene. I love Freeman's reaction when he opens the box, and it was like he, he does like a quick gasp, and then he kind of like he double checks to, to see what it is, and he realize what it is. And we've talked about how we we love that they don't show any of the killings; they just leave them to our imagination. I also love that we don't see the head. It's just we we're told what it is. I don't need to see the head. It's just. You know, that's that kind of adds shock value that that we don't need. This movie is wild enough without showing us the low hanging fruit. So I love the end of this movie. You know, 
We talked about what might have been. I think we all kind of agreed at the top that the fade, the black would have would have been better, but <clears throat> perfect the way it was. Danielle, what'd you think of the ending? Uh, another kudos for Brad Pitt. I love how he cycles through like crying and pointing the gun at Spacey, you know, and like the reaction there is very genuine. Um, another thing I liked is the binocular shots um, coming from the helicopter. Oh, it yeah. kind of reminded me of like Michael Mann, you know, like it was like, just like you hear the helicopter propeller running and you're seeing the binocular shots and it's like, oh, something's going down, you know? Yeah. And, and then you have the radio over at the end being like, he shot him, you know? And it's <laughs> like, there's just a whole lot going on in that scene that just makes it perfect. McGinley's going for it here. I got somebody call somebody. Just, just you know, he's he's doing just these like quick one-liners. I yeah, I I love him in general, but especially in this role. Yeah, what would you think of the ending? Really, what can't you say about this ending? Sure, it is up there as one of the most, if not most, iconic endings in a movie. Um, Morgan Freeman's reaction and then him running scared to get to him to tell him to tell John Doe to shut up because he knows what he saw inside that box and then like you said the the classic meme the classic thing what's in the box that is you say that anybody knows the movie that's right. all you have to say and then you know what movie you're talking about that's how iconic that that quote is and like like Danielle was saying, which is a good point. He struggles. Like you see him struggling. He's crying. He's angry. He's like, you know. Doesn't want to believe it happened. Kevin Spacey goes into how he was envious. That was his sin. Yeah. And he like let out the wrath. And become, become vengeance. He wanted to die. He let, he wanted, he, that's how he wanted to finish it. And he wanted to. He pulled off a masterpiece. He pulled off all seven deadly sins. Let's ask. Let's ask an unanswerable question here. Uh, just, yes or no? We'll do. We'll just go quick. Danielle, does Brad Pitt serve any time in jail? No. Anthony. Yes. How long? Uh, temporary insanity, maybe like five, ten years. Okay. Danielle, is he a cop anymore? No. <laughs> I think it, yeah I agree I agree with that they were like at the end they're like we'll take care of him yeah so I think that some filing things might have been done you know like I think they would have gotten him out of it maybe he would have you know did some time in like you know mental health counseling you know something like that but I don't think he went to jail I don't think he I don't think he would ever leave a psych ward. I think after that whole situation, I think he's done in his brain. I think he's brain. Yeah, could be. You know, this is unanswerable. This is kind of a an well, opinion like, question. And I mentioned it earlier, that scene where he's in the back of the car and you just see him looking like there's nothing anymore. Yeah. I, you don't bounce back from something like that. Sure, definitely not. You you definitely don't fully recover. You know, he might be a functioning adult at some point, but yeah, there's probably not a day that goes by that he, he's not thinking about, uh, you know, this this crime or John Doe. I'm still not a functioning adult, and I didn't have this happen to me. So, I... <laughs> <laughs> all right. So on that note, why don't we segue into, according to the internet, 
there are some fucking bonkers casting what-ifs here. And we, we talked about, we're not switching anything, but we should talk about these. And, you know, I think all of these kind of make this movie a different movie. So two actors who turned down the role of Mills, Denzel Washington and Sylvester Stallone. You know, uh, Denzel later said that he regrets picking up, not doing this role. He, uh, he said the movie was too dark. I think I'm 95. I'm trying to think Denzel. That was Virtuosity with Russell Crowe. That was same year. Wasn't Philadelphia that year too? Philadelphia was, I believe, 93. So that was a little, that was a little before. Oh. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure if he could go back, he would have swapped Virtuosity with, uh, you know, Denzel and Russell Crowe in somehow a, not a good movie. <laughs> but I'm sure he would have made that swap. Stallone, I, you know, I, I, I can't see it. I can see Denzel in this role. I can't see Stallone, who was, you know, he he did kind of go for it with Copland a couple of years later. So he, he definitely has the the ability. But you know, Brad Pitt is is Mills here. No. I, these are some interesting almosts. Danielle, any thoughts on either of those? Hell no. <laughs> That's what. I mean, Denzel is Denzel, you know. So I mean, I can't say anything against him, but I adore Brad Pitt's performance and I can't imagine anyone else playing his role. Absolutely. Yep. Um, I'm going to have to say uh, I'm going to have to agree. Hell no. <laughs> and the reason I say that is I don't know if you guys ever seen the movie Fallen. Oh yeah. Yeah. With Denzel and Gandolfini. I didn't really care for him in that movie. And it's the same kind of premise a little bit, like that kind of genre. I don't think he could have carried it. No, I, I agree. He would have been able to carry this movie. Yeah. Listen to these almost for Somerset. Mm-hmm. Al Pacino, Robert Duvall, Gene Hackman, all turned down the role. I love Freeman. I, I said at the top, I, sh- I think he should have been nominated. Not only should he have been nominated for Best Actor, he should have won. But these are all fucking monster names here. You know, you got, but it's a different movie, I, I think. You, you talked about, Anthony, you talked earlier about the, the, the calmness of, of Morgan Freeman. And, you know, I, Pacino, I think he's yelling. He's a lot more intense. You know, he, he, he might just like beat the shit out of John Doe in the precinct there. Um, Duvall, I like. He kind of has that similar calm demeanor. Hackman, I think, would have been a little similar to Pacino. Just um, a lot lot of yelling and a lot more intensity. Um, Danielle, is this another hell no, or do you have any uh, make the case? Um, I mean, I recently watched Scarface. Okay. And I'm a Pacino enthusiast. Um, This is 95. Probably going to go through his filmography. um, But... I can't see I can't see anyone else in any of these roles. So I'm ultimately annoyed if anyone gets recast. I'm so happy that whoever turned it down turned it down because it's a perfect cast in my opinion. I'm glad Pacino didn't take it because Pacino did Heat in 95. So we got to get both of these movies and you know we're we're all the better for it. Um we talked about John Doe earlier and we talked about the we how we like the calmness of of Spacey. How about the insanity of Val Kilmer, who also turned down this role? I completely different movie. If, if this is Kilmer cast, um, this is, this is kind of when he started to go like, 
into his I'm experimenting a lot phase. He was doing a lot of weird roles. This is around the time he, he played Batman and Batman Forever. Also, The Island of Dr. Moreau was around this time. So he was like, he was just kind of being a weird guy. So it's kind of weird that he turned down this role. And I'm glad he did because I, you know, I love Spacey in this. But this is interesting. If, if you know, this, this could be fun. And it, it's fun to speculate on what this could have been. Anthony, any thoughts on this one? Um, hell no. <laughs> uh, Val Kilmer, like you said, he did a lot of crazy movies during this time. I think Wonderland was one of the movies he also did right around this time, maybe in, in the late 90s. Yep. Um, so he was doing movies like that, but no, he couldn't. I tell you right now, there is no prestige for this movie if he's John Doe. This movie, this movie flops if he's John Doe. I, I, I agree. Danielle? I hate to say it because I love Bell Kilmer. I, uh, I absolutely love him. Uh, he played Jim Morrison uh, in Doors, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I love him, I love him, I love him. But Kevin Spacey is just perfect for this role. Um, the cool, calm, menacing performance that he gives there's just no no way he is he is the 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 one in this in this film you know he's the one that stands this for me at least the standout performance and i can't give that away to anyone no matter how much i love val kilmer sorry val if you're <laughs> uh the last one i have here is kind of a small one but significant i guess we love we didn't really talk too much about gwyneth paltrow in this movie um i thought she i thought she was really great not to go back to scenes, but I, I really, I like the scene with uh, her and Freeman in the diner where she's telling her, she's telling him that she's pregnant. That's, I think they kind of added that maybe late to give her, give them both like an extra scene to show off their acting chops. But this role was turned down by Christina Applegate, according to the internet. This, uh, this is, this is one that I had questions about. Um, all, all the other ones we mentioned were multiple sources. I think I saw this like on two, two places um i don't know if this is true or not you know i gwyneth is great and, and i love christina applegate too i i don't know if this makes a significant difference in the movie but I, i'm glad we got what we got we we were all in alignment i think that the, the big four in this are perfect danielle any thoughts on that you know gwyneth paltrow i wrote some notes about her i tend to think she's a cold-hearted Rhymes with which, um, you know, like a lot of her roles, she just got like, you know, I'm just gonna go out and say it, resting bitch face, you know, like <laughs> just she's she's so cold, yeah. and in this role, she's actually pretty warm. Yep. Where I empathize with her, her situation, you know, being in a new place with a house that you know vibrates every like 15 minutes, you know, like and not having any friends, and now she's got the baby, you know, like. So it's, and she sells it really well, you know? So I was like, wow, okay, she's she's capable of warmth, you know? So uh, Christina Applegate, no. Yeah, this, this, obvi- this one isn't obviously as big as some of the other ones we mentioned before. Anthony, any thoughts on this? Do you think it's six, and a, six of one hand, half a dozen in the other? Or I will be honest, I, exactly with that, uh, it really wouldn't have changed much. Um, I don't know if either one of you watch the show Entourage, but I like the fact oh, yeah. that when he says anybody who puts uh, 
I think they were talking about Andrew Kevin Walker uh, writing the script of Aquaman. He goes, <laughs> he goes, hey, anybody who puts Gwen's head in a box is okay by me. So, <laughs> so I don't remember that. Now I got it. Now you got me going back to rewatch Entourage. <laughs> uh, episode, uh, season two, episode three. Thank you. Thank you for saving me uh, like <laughs> a lot of hours of, of my life. I got you. <laughs> all right. So that's all the casting almost I have. Did you, do you have any more that I, I didn't cover? Uh, just to add on to the Gwyneth role, she actually wasn't interested um, when she was uh, approached about it. Uh, she was dating Brad Pitt at the time. Yeah. And Fincher was like, come on, man, hook it up. And he did it. And that's how she got in on the film because she turned it down at first. I did not know this. So good to good catch there, Danielle. Very nice. Anthony, got anything from the internet? Well, uh, a little fun fact about another movie, and we mentioned him, Denzel. Um, the scene in the diner between Tracy and Somerset was actually the same diner and the same booth as Training Day with Ethan Hawke and Denzel Washington. Yep. <laughs> which Pay is, the bill. <laughs> because those are both two movies that are completely dark and crazy. Yeah, yeah, lo- yeah. And we talked well, about talked about Denzel. Seven's definitely a little darker. We'll, we'll go. Sure. Both movies are dark in, in different ways. Yes. Yeah, no. I have one more. Um, in Fight Club, there are three detectives of some sort named Andrew, Kevin, and Walker. And that is his nod to his buddy who wrote Seven. Excellent. That's very nice. Good to know. All right, so I'm I'm tapped on internet facts. I think we all are. Uh, so. I got a I got a couple. You got a couple. Oh, yeah, do your thing. So you carry uh, this. Well, really quick, the um, we were we were talking about the scene with the sloth. Yes. Uh the costume, the prosthetics took 14 hours to put on that makeup and everything that they did. That sounds about right. Yeah. So that was crazy. Oh, what else? Oh my God. Oh, the uh, one thing I wanted to mention, um, you mentioned actors who turned down the roles. Guillermo del Toro turned down directing it. Okay. Which which I wonder what it would have been like. That's one thing I can say maybe would be still pretty good with Guillermo del Toro, but not Fincher is better. I'm thinking of uh, The Shape of Water, Nightmare Alley, you know, fantastical films. You know, and the last thing the last thing I got is Andrew Kevin Walker was working on the movie for two years um, while he was working at a Tower Record. Okay. Rest in peace, Tower Records. Yeah, <laughs> that's that job. It, it must have been a tough job. You know, you get to you got to deal with customers all day. You know, they're mad about the price of CDs, and you know, I just I just I'm, I cut of uh, I dream of cutting a woman's nose off and tie, tying a, a handheld phone to her hand or gluing a, t- gluing a phone to her hand. Oh God. Rough job. You know, the, working in the mall. <laughs> All right. So great internet stuff, guys. All right. Trivia. I will be chivalrous and I'll go ladies first. Danielle, what do you got? All right. I'm going to botch this guy's name and I apologize sure. if he's listening, but the DP on this film, Darius Kanji has worked with Fincher two other times. So this is pretty easy. Just, you gotta get the one out of three. Okay, made it easy tonight. Um, did Which one did he not work on? 
Fight okay. Club, Alien 3, or Panic Room? Yeah. Uh, I feel like the obvious answer there is Alien 3, but I'm going to go the not obvious answer, and I'll, I'll say Fight Club, and I'm going to hope for the best. I'm mm-hmm. going to say Panic Room. Okay. He did not work on Fight Club. So, Dave, you got it. Yes. Nice. Life is complete. <laughs> Anthony, what you got? Okay. When Detective Mills, I was looking at the gluttony files for the murder. He, okay. was, he was drinking a beer. What beer was he drinking? Was <laughs> Budweiser? Miller Lite? Pabst Blue Ribbon? Bud Light or Coors Light? I, I love your questions. I, I, I should have been looking at like brands of food or beverage that, that were going on and I, I failed you. So, I got um, you for tomorrow too. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, I, I feel like he might be a PBR guy. So I'll go, uh, I'll go with the Paps. This is Mills? Yes. All right, please tell me it's PBR because I'm going to be very upset if it's any of the other ones because they're all freaking lame. What did you say it was, Dave? Uh, we Daniel and I both want PBR. You're both right. Yes. It is all right. Definitely a PBR guy. Thank you, Brad Pitt, for not drinking Bud Light. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I cannot see Mills as a Bud Light guy or really was, any was, of those other beers. I was going to use Corona, but I was like, yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> All right, so Fincher, we talked about the great movies he's directed, and but I think I think I mentioned earlier he's also done some of the biggest music videos of all time. He's just you look at his IMDb, it's just loaded with monster music videos. So I'm going to give you a list here. He directed all of these music videos except for one. I'll lead the question for Danielle. Anthony takes second pick. Here we go. Madonna Vogue, Paula Abdul, Straight Up. Aerosmith, Janie's Got a Gun. Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit. George Michael, Freedom. Or The Wallflowers, Sixth Avenue Heartache. He did all but one of these. Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit. That was quick. All right, we'll see if you're right. Nirvana. Did I make this question too easy? I guess so. I I thought this was a bomb question. You guys nailed it. You guys... Well, Nirvana is one of my favorite bands of all time. And I looked at his filmography to see what music videos he directed today. So combination. I clearly underestimated your power. I knew knew all the exact same reasons. Okay. All right. You guys were too prepared for this question. No, I'm kidding. Just wait because she was so confident. That's the only one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Awards time. So we do... Uh, we do a six man six man is for anyone who doesn't watch basketball. That is someone who comes off the bench, not the star of the team, but someone who comes in for a little bit of the movie and dominates in their little bit of screen time. They have Um, this might be the easiest six man I've ever done here because I got to give it to Kevin Spacey. There was really no other choice for me. I don't know if either of you are, are going in an edgy direction, but I, this was Kevin Spacey for me, hands down. Danielle? If you have anything other to say than Kevin Spacey, you're wrong. Simple <laughs> totally fair. Your opinion is invalid. 
Anthony, I hope it. I hope I didn't just do that to you. Um, I had the guy who brought uh, Brad Pitt the uh, Cliff Notes. I thought that was the thing that stole the show. No, he did a lot with a little. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, Sp- Kevin Spacey, hands down, is the sixth man. Um, I was actually kind of gonna give him the MVP, but I knew how the sixth man works, so that's why he There's got a case. It. There's a case to be made for that. I, I mean, I want a different because that's what she told me. What's that? You told me that if they're not on the poster, then they're eligible. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I, so I checked know. the poster. We don't. Said, have, okay, he's yeah. not on the poster. Six men. We don't have a. We don't have a constitution here yet. I'm gonna. You know, I'm gonna chisel one in my floor soon. I'm very literal, so I'm gonna remember that rule. <laughs> um, MVP. I feel like you know we might have gone one way or the other. Uh, I love Freeman in this, and I feel like I feel like your choices are Freeman or Pitt. Unless I don't know, somebody went with Leland Orser, which you know, I wouldn't argue that'd be an edgy pick, but I, I would like it. Um, I went Freeman, you know, I said at the top, I, I feel like he should have not only been nominated for best actor, but won. So this was an easy one for me, Danielle. I feel like you're going in the opposite direction, though. Yes, I am. Brad Pitt, all the way. All right, you, Anthony, you're the, you're the tiebreaker. Oh, shit. <laughs> um. You got to make me make a poll on the, for the Instagram. I'm I'm sorry. I gotta go. I gotta go. Morgan Freeman. Uh, All right. It really could. It, it's like one and one A because they yeah. they were both. There's no wrong answer here. Yeah, there's no wrong answer. But I, I went with Morgan Freeman because sometimes you got to get to getting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great picks. Uh, that poll will go up on the gram. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what the the general public thinks. Danielle, what is something good you watched this week? Uh, I started my rewatch of True Blood. Nice. Um, so, although I remember True Blood, I remember being disappointed with the last season and specifically the last episode. Um, won't spoil it in case anyone decides to watch it but I was unhappy with some of the choices that were made I was like this is ridiculous but that being said I'm about four episodes in and I'm loving it so far um the comedy is is really what I love about it um I'm a big on the ship side I'm a big uh Sookie and Eric fan uh um and uh I'm like regretfully noticing that her and Bill who they're married in real life, so this makes sense. They actually have some chemistry. And I'm like, ah, okay. Well, I see this. But uh, Eric hasn't been introduced yet, so. Sookie is Anna Paquin, yes? Yes, yes. Um, And the other thing on the film side, um, the last thing I saw that was really phenomenal is The Worst Person in the World. Yes. Uh, I thought that was an amazing film. I'd heard a lot of it, like, word of mouth. I don't see a lot of foreign films. Probably from me. That was the word of mouth. Yes. Well, yeah, you definitely influenced it because you had told me how great it was. And, uh, you know, I I was interested in the premise, having seen a trailer or two, and then you solidified it. And then I finally got around to seeing it and uh, did it deliver. It was, I I loved it. Yeah, I I enjoyed it too. I saw um, her Instagram. I don't know what the project is. Uh, the star of that movie, Julie uh, Renate. I'm going to fuck up her name, and I, I apologize. Uh, Renate uh, Rainsville. I'm so sorry. 
to anyone who I just who just canceled me. Um, but she's in a movie with uh, Sebastian Stan coming up. I saw because I, I, I follow them both on Instagram and I saw they're doing a project together. So she's getting in this put her into American films. I, I'm I'm in. She was magnetic in this movie. So um, whatever she's got going on, I am in. Anthony. So I'm uh, as we've talked about. I am. Uh... Almost finished with uh, Suits. Uh, yeah, you told me you banged this out in like a good day. Almost. Three and a half weeks. Uh, I got eight seasons almost down. You are ridiculous. I, I, back I, to I everybody listening. One time we were both watching Dexter at the same time. And when I was on season two, he was like on season six. And we literally started at the same time. I forget what show. I forget what show. So I apologize. But you said I started. I don't even remember what show it was. But it was a long one, and you said I started it, and then we did like a week later. I checked in with you. You're like, yeah, I'm done. Like, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. What show was it? Yellowstone. Yeah, it was season four of Yellowstone. Okay. All right, yeah, you bang that out really quick. <laughs> yeah, you put the binge in binge for yeah. sure. Definitely. Um, so I'm almost finished with that. It's like a guilty pleasure. Not really great acting. Um, but it's one of those shows that's on USA, so it's okay. So I just want to finish it up now that I'm almost. And I'm um, going to give a little more love to Val Kilmer because I rewatched um, my favorite Val Kilmer movie, uh, Tombstone. Okay. Which is... his portrayal of Doc Holliday is great. Like, I was just like flipping through the channels. I saw it on. I was like, okay, let me watch a couple minutes and then. You're fully set into the movie, and uh, I can always watch that movie. It's so great. Good Kurt Russell, Sam. Uh, why can't why is Elliot? Sam Elliot, thank you. Um, Bill Paxton. You know, embarrassingly, this is this is a blind spot for me, so I might have to rush this through now. Wow, this is yeah. uh, it's an old song. You got Powers Booth. Um, I I know fully what it is. I just oh. the stars have never aligned, and I just never sat down to watch it but i'm gonna yeah based on your recommendation here you said you've seen this a bunch of times i've seen this i would say over a hundred times danielle i saw you nodding you uh... i do not remember it right uh you know i have low-grade amnesia so i do not remember it but i remember the feeling of it and i remember being impressed whereas okay. so basically i would rewatch it so that's my opinion on it you would rewatch it. I need to watch it. So that's this is a this is a, a priority this week. I'm going to prioritize this, this. This came out around the same time as Wyatt Earp came out, which is the same kind of premise, but that was with Kevin Costner, more of a family, not like action. It was more story driven. Wyatt Earp, whereas Tombstone, it's action. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I got to watch this. This is this shouldn't be a blind spot to begin with. So I, I gotta, I gotta rectify this. I'm definitely gonna watch this. I will go. Uh, I'll go film, and then I'll go TV. Uh, Danielle, you watched a foreign film and you enjoyed it. I also watched a different foreign film, RRR, which I had not heard of until I want to say like March or April. And this dropped on net. This is uh, an Indian-based film, and it is on currently on Netflix. You see a, a lot, you see this popping up on a lot of top 10 lists of the year. So I was just like, I need to watch this. It's a long one. It's three hours and seven minutes long, but I did not, I don't think I looked at my 
phone one time. I was enthralled by this movie. It was, it was great. You know, it, getting to sit down for a three hour and seven minute movie is the toughest part. But once you're there, I think I watched it Saturday morning and, you know, I got to go about my day afterwards, but this is, this is a story about um, two friends who are on opposite sides of the law in India against the British government. One is a, a police officer for them. And one is a rebel for them. Who's, who's uh, the friend of a man whose daughter was taken by the British government, who's essentially kidnapped. And these two become friends, not knowing that they're on opposite sides. And so they, they eventually find out and they go to war and, you know, everything kind of comes together at the end. This isn't a musical and I'm not a musical person, but there are two giant musical set pieces that were just in just banging to me. I was like, I was, this is, one of the coolest movies I've ever seen. And this is, you know, I, I said, it, I found it on a lot of top 10 lists. That's how it got on my radar. I find this hard to believe if, that anything's going to come out to knock this off somewhere on my top 10. It'll, it'll, it'll be there. Uh, you know, we're talking about foreign films. I am worst person in the world is definitely going to be top three somewhere. And this, this will be on there as well. Either of you have any consciousness of this or it was, it was on your radar at all? Uh, no, but it is now. Okay. I do know about it. Um, I've seen some great reviews. It's on my list. It's not on the list of 300 movies that I'll get to someday. <laughs> it's on the list of like the pressing Got it. 25 to 30. So it's coming. All right. Stay tuned. And on the TV side, I'm really getting into Blackbird on, on Apple TV. This is, um, this is with Taron Egerton and Paul Thomas Hauser. Taron Egerton plays a drug dealer who goes to prison and it's offered they the FBI offers him a plea deal get out of jail if you can elicit a confession from this serial killer played by Paul Thomas Hauser who's just this guy is just so good he's one of those actors who like understands the assignment at all times he's I, I think the most recent thing I've seen he's Cobra Kai he's in Cobra Kai he's, he's in a bunch bunch of things and he kind of plays the same character in every movie a little bit, but just makes little tweaks to where um, Stingray, I'm, I'm losing his name in Cobra Kai. He's Stingray in Cobra Kai and he's this goofy character. He's kind of turns it, turns the knob a little bit to become a serial killer and you buy him as, as both roles, but it's, it's the same, but different. He's really good in this role. And I, I enjoy the show. Um, great side cast, Greg Kinnear uh, plays a cop. Ray Liotta plays Taron Egerton's father. I, I think when Ray Liotta died, he was still filming a movie. So we're, we're going to see something else from him after this. But this was the uh, towards the end, obviously, and sadly. And the, the third episode, I think it's six episodes, six or seven. At the end of the third episode, it said in memory of Ray Liotta at the, at the end of the episode, sadly. And uh, but he's, you know, he's really great in this role. And uh I'm enjoying the show so far. I look forward to seeing where it goes. It's so tough to pick. Daniel, I know you and I talked offline about like all these limited series and it's tough to just like pick one and go. And, you know, you don't want to pick the wrong one that sucks. I, I think in this instance, I, I picked a good one. I'm, I'm enjoying this so far. Same question. This is this on either of your radars? This is definitely on my radar. Uh, this this one looks really good. And the guy you mentioned, he's been, he's, uh, the first thing I saw him in was Black KK Klansman. 
Yes, yes. Uh, I'm just drawing a blank on what it. Yep. And he would. That's the first time I saw him, and I thought he was just like a doof. Yeah. And like, but he played it like a doof redneck in that movie, and then. He's in a movie with Vince Vaughn. I think it's called uh, Coop, something with coupons. Oh, yeah. Queenpins, Queenpins, it's called. And that was on uh, Paramount. He did the movie about the Atlanta bombing. Uh, right, yes. He, he's got a good... Uh, he really... He hasn't really had a bad step yet. And a lot of great roles he's played. I think he was in I, Tanya also. I was like, what the fuck? I can't think of the name of the Margot Robbie, Tony Harding movie that was so good that I loved. I'm like, he was in that. He was just so, same thing. He's just like, he's such a goof, but he's so good. He just understands what he's supposed to do and he does it. There's no, and you know, and he doesn't, he doesn't have like a whole ton of range, but he just has like a little knob turned in a little bit here. You're this, this goofy guy who thinks he works for the government and I, Tanya, or you're the, you're the weird guy in Cobra Kai that's, for some reason, hanging out with a bunch of high school kids in a karate dojo, or you're a serial killer, and it's kind of like always the same, but just a little different at the same time. I don't yeah. know. If I aimed off so many without looking at IMDb. I'm actually pretty impressed. Yeah, no, you're 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 definitely uh, you got more points on the board than I do. <laughs> I I guess I like fat guys because it reminds. Me. <laughs> uh, Danielle, where can we follow you? You can follow me on Letterboxd, um, Danielle four one five one five. Uh, drop me a comment. I love talking about films. I write about um, three, four to six reviews a week. So um, just come interact, check it out, see what you think. Yep. We'd love to hook up. They're good. And you can tell you're putting a, a lot of effort into them because I, I enjoy reading them. So thank you, Dave. N- nice work. Anthony? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Twinkie730 or at Arcade Wars on instagram uh where me and my friends play games for fun trash talking and for titles so i i always enjoy the videos and i'm always in your corner from a distance hoping you get that belt and i always lose i know (laughs) someday and i'll be right there i'll be your biggest supporter thank you (laughs) you got it um i'm on twitter instagram and letterboxd as well same handle at ddem2000 um yeah i I also write reviews sometimes. Sometimes they're long, sometimes they're short, depending on my mood, depending on how smart I'm feeling in the moment. Sometimes but, they're uh, funny. Sometimes, sometimes they're, you know, I, I, try to, I try to go viral with a one sentence. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Eventually it'll happen, I think. Um, so that's, you can follow me there. We have an Instagram and Twitter for this show. It's at was it that bad pod. We post polls, show updates on both of those. So follow us there. Um, Anthony and I also do another podcast where we cover The Sopranos. Um, that's called It's the Jacket. And the Instagram for that is at It's the Jacket Pod. Um, next week, we are going to be covering what I forget. Oh, next week, we're going to be covering Predator, the, uh, the first one with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Either of you have any thoughts on that one? I've never seen it. Never seen it? Okay. I, I, it's been a while since I've seen it. It, it was a while for me too before I, I was glad to have an excuse to revisit it. I was actually, I know you guys probably saw that I posted. I watched uh, Predator 2 for the first time just, just before we recorded. And that was just like, just a bonkers movie with Gary Busey. It's, Danny Glover and Gary Busey are in it. That's all I kind of need to say. That's all you need, right? Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's what you got. Um, 
guys, Danielle, Anthony, this was a fucking blast. I had a great time talking about this movie with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Sayonara. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> all right, cool. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We will catch you all next week. Take care, everybody. Night. Good night.